0: What's up? What's up, buddy? How's it going?
1: How's good. How's everything, man?
0: Good, doing good. How about you? Uh,
1: I'm all right, you know. Celebrating that uh, that victorious Baylor win.
0: Yeah, you got
1: it. You nailed it, buddy. Hey, man. I'm not even gonna sit here and you know grill
0: you or whatever, but no, no, please do. I welcome no, it. I no,
1: no, nah, man. It was a hell of a game, bro. Hell of a game. Um, you know, you kind of called it, right? You kind of said that ba- uh, that Gonzaga had to step up. And um, you know they kind of needed you know their their bench to kind of score, and unfortunately, um, I'm kind of looking here.
0: Um, Watson and Cook just, I mean, pretty pretty invisible. The two guys. That yeah, were you know benching. I'm looking at
1: the stats right now. Watson had 13 minutes, one assist, four points. Yeah. Aaron Cook had 10 minutes, two rebounds, two assists. Um, you know Jalen Tuggs had 22 points. Kispert and Timmy both had 12 apiece. Uh, Andrew Nemhard had nine, four, and four. Um, they all played heavy minutes, right? You know, Cody Kisper thirty-eight; Drew Timmy, thirty-three; Nemhard, you know, thirty-nine; Suggs, thirty-three; and uh, Joel Ayayi, thirty-one. Um, you know, Baylor's Baylor's off uh, bench was more spread out. You know, we got sixteen minutes played by by Flo Thamba. Damian Mitchell had thirty-six minutes played. Jared Butler had thirty-one, along with uh, Macio Teague. Uh, Vital had twenty-seven. Flager had twenty-two. Uh Mayer had 16. Uh Jonathan had 16. Um But other than that, man, it was it was it was absolutely dominant from the start by Baylor. Which and I'm not gonna sit here and you know lie to you and say that I was expecting that, but I didn't expect Baylor to come out five for five on three pointers. I don't think anybody expected that to come out with that energy. Um, you know, as the game kind of continued, you know, Gonzaga kind of lost their mojo. I think. Um, playing UCLA in overtime is kind of what did them in. Um, obviously, that's mentally and physically draining. Uh, that's just kind of my perspective on on why you know I think Gonzaga was flat to start the game. Um, you know, Baylor put up forty seven in the first uh, half alone, and then after that, just kind of went on cruise control. So, uh, what's kind of next for Gonzaga in your opinion? <clears throat>
0: yeah, like you nailed it. Right the. The game winner against UCLA, one of the best games I've ever seen, but that was their championship and it shouldn't have been right. They came up flat against Baylor and a lot of Gonzaga's MO is that they're always the ones to throw the first punch. You saw that with USC. I just started full court pressing in the first couple minutes of the game and USC looked like they never recovered. I'll, I'll always remember that game just because of what a dominant performance that was against a pretty good team and Baylor, did to Gonzaga, what what Gonzaga did to 31 teams all year long. Um, and I'm not surprised that Baylor won, but I am surprised they won in the way that they won. You mentioned, like, they were hitting everything. Everything they looked at, they were hitting. It felt like Macy Oteague went 100% on pull-up jumpers in the mid-range. He was lethal, and they exp- exposed Gonzaga's offensive rebounding or uh, defensive rebounding weaknesses, which I said might be a problem, and, and they exposed their bench. So, Credit to Baylor, that is an all-time great team and an all-time great performance in the National Championship Games. So all credit goes to Baylor. Phenomenal performance by them. But to get back to your question, what's next for Gonzaga? I don't know. I don't know what's next for Gonzaga. It all hinges on the man with the mustache, really. It all hinges on Drew Timmy because Suggs is gone, right? He is 99.9% going to the uh, – like de- declaring for the draft. He'll be a top three pick. I think he should go number one. He's gone. Uh, I would be stunned if he came back. Kispert's probably gone as well. He'll probably go to the NBA. Uh, Nemhard will be back. Uh, Joel Ayai is kind of a question mark, but it's all on Drew Timmy because if there's one thing that that this national championship did, it's raised a lot of questions about Drew Timmy's NBA future because that man just got absolutely exposed on defense. They got a switch on him. All three of those guards, Mitchell, Butler, and Teague, they were just dancing on Timmy all night long and just pulling up in his face and he needs to figure out how to guard in space. Um, I think the NBA scouts definitely noticed that, but if Drew Timmy comes back, I think Gonzaga is a front runner to win the national championship next year.
1: Yeah. You know, like you said, you know, Drew Timmy and Jalen Suggs kind of going for the draft and we kind of talked about it, you know, after the game. And I kind of had, I kind of asked you because Looking at Baylor's roster or looking at Gonzaga's roster, you know, they got a lot of guys that can declare. Mm-hmm. Um, especially now with um, you know, the the league being more player friendly and, you know, rookies being able to get a bit more money in their first couple of years. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, don't make money, right? You're going through the whole college thing, you're not really you're not making money unless you go work a summer job. Um, you know, the NCAA's rules are kind of strict on how much um, you can work and, you know, the financial thing, because they want to make sure that everybody's kind of even keel and they don't want a repeat of Louisville. Um, so I think financially, it, it's, an, it's another aspect that one has to analyze, right? Um, you know, some guys are, may, might be cool. Some guys might be say, hey, uh, you know, I'll skip on the money for now and just come back and play another year of Bulldogs basketball and try to, you know, take us to another championship. Or some guys might say, hey, man, like, my family needs the money and, or whatever the case may be, and I want to declare. Um, I have to ask you this because you mentioned Jalen Suggs going to the draft. If you're an NBA GM today, who would you take, Jalen Suggs or Cade Cunningham?
0: I'm taking Jalen Suggs uh, personally. Cade's uh, phenomenal as well, watching him all year. is pretty incredible, the stuff he was able to get out of that Oklahoma State team. But, I mean, Jalen Suggs is just a stud, and he he's a guy that – you know, he coming into the season, he was always going to be a one-and-done. And maybe it's just the composure. I mean, Kate Cunningham's kind of got that face where he's kind of got that droopy, kind of lazy-looking face. But that doesn't mean he's lazy, right? It's just some people just kind of have that face about them. So Maybe it's just that. Maybe it's definitely a little bit of recency bias. But Jalen Suggs had so much fight and so much heart in him for a guy that knew that he was only going to be in college one year. He had a big injury. Uh, in the West Virginia game earlier in the season and not only did he come back he came back in that game right a normal one and done would probably just you know call it quits and sit out for a few weeks and 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 stuff like that and but Jalen Suggs just the passion he showed he was the alpha on that team as a freshman at 19 years old which is not easy to do in a program like Gonzaga right you don't you don't build a program I'm, I'm looking at it now you don't build a program that has won 23 of the last 27 WCC regular season titles, 23 of 27 going back to 1994. You don't build a program like that on one and dones, right? You build uh-huh. that on, on credibility and cachet and guys coming in through the program. Like Kispert's a perfect, perfect example. Karnowski's a guy a few years ago that, that uh, was like that as well. Suggs was the guy. They all looked to Suggs. The end of that UCLA game, that ball was going nowhere except Jalen Suggs. And he led that team from start to finish this year. He, he went, uh, that team went as he went, and I love to see that from my point guard. So I'm taking Jalen Suggs number one. I, I'm a big fan, if you can't tell.
1: No, hundred um, percent. You know, kind of sticking with with the draft now because it's kind of it's going to be approaching a lot of you know scouts kind of watch the tournament and um, you know kind of just making a decision now who they want to take. Um, I kind of have to ask. You know, I don't know if you remember a few years ago. I'm sure you do. Uh, the Tyler Hansbrough craze, you know, Psycho T in North Carolina. Um, can you kind of see the same resemblance between Drew Timmy and Tyler Hansbrough? A sense that they know how to play the four position. Tyler Hansbrough was more known for his rebounding rather than his scoring, and Drew Timmy's more known for his scoring than his rebounding. Is is there some kind of similarities that you see between the two? And if so, you know, as a GM, would you take a gamble on a guy like Drew Timmy?
0: Uh, I don't mind that comp. I like I like the Hansborough comp. Uh, Timmy definitely is, is a lot more skilled. I mean, I, I watched a lot of Tyler Hansbro on my Raptors, and that man could not find the basket to save his life. Uh, Timmy is very skilled. The guy I like as his comp, which I've seen uh, in, a few times in the last few days, is Mason Plumlee. Uh You might laugh at that. Mason Plumley, you know, he's a big joke, big white guy in the, on the Pistons. But it, it, Mason Plumley's had a great career, and he's a really skilled player. He stuffs the stat sheet. So I like that as a comp for Drew Timmy. I'm worried about him in this year's draft. He's currently projected as sort of a second round pick. I think the smart move for him would be to come back if he wants to sort of improve himself. Obviously, he's going to he's going to declare for the draft, test the waters, get an evaluation from the NBA scouts, see what he needs to work on and make a decision from there. But I would love to see Drew Timmy come back. He would easily be the front runner for National Player of the Year. Gonzaga also is the front runner at the moment for the number 1 recruit in the country, Chet Holmgren. I'm sure a lot of folks have seen him uh he's a big lanky guy from minnesota uh they also they signed uh five-star recruit the f- highest rated recruit they've ever had even higher than Suggs in hunter salas he's a point guard uh and they're a front runner for walker kessler the the transfer from north carolina five-star recruit last year so gonzaga could totally just load up and do this all again next year with an even deeper roster
1: that that's it's funny that you you know you mentioned um you know transfers and stuff like that um is there almost a point where you know if you're kind of you know Gonzaga now right you know you've had a great run um you know you've obviously done phenomenal things uh you've achieved different heights you know unachieved before you know obviously losing you know to Baylor kind of hinders that are kind of transfers now, you know, easy to come by because you're Gonzaga now? And I, I don't mean this in, like, in an odd way, but if you're Gonzaga, do you kind of look through to rebuild through kind of the transfer portal rather than recruit? Because you said you wanted consistency, right? So would you much rather take a gamble on a guy out of high school or take a gamble on a guy who's already played in the NCAA? Because you're going to have recruits either way coming in.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's going to be a, a mix of both, uh, and Gonzaga's – shown no hesitancy to do both in years past. They're starting to get more involved in the in the high school recruiting than they have been. Uh, they recruit internationally as well. I think the big reason why Gonzaga sort of just fascinates me endlessly as a program is this small-ish school in Spokane, Washington that plays in this really small conference and just dominates every year uh, is because when I was growing up, they had a lot of Canadian guys on the team, like Kelly Olenek and Kevin Pagos and those boys. Uh, so that's probably why they, they fascinate me so much, but they brought in Brandon Clark as a transfer a few years ago, and he did he did big work for them. So the transfer market these days is more robust than ever. There are over a thousand players in the transfer portal in uh, Division One. So Gonzaga is definitely going to be reaching for a lot of those transfers, and as is Baylor. Baylor is going to be looking to do that. And those two programs this season have just really showcased themselves as players were uh, or teams where players really should want to play because those two coaches are both phenomenal. Um, and they both showed it uh, in this tournament.
1: It's going to be interesting to see how the transfer portal kind of plays out um, just because of the new rules and regulations with the transfer portal. Um, obviously, it's going to be interesting to see within the next couple of weeks whether players declare. Um, you know, coaching staff-wise, you kind of you, – you obviously have to stay, so stay with the same coaching, right? Oh,
0: yeah, no question. I mean, there was a few – people floating out uh mark few to north carolina scott drew to north carolina scott drew to indiana but both these teams got to run it back with these coaches they've been there so long mark few's been there since the mid-90s scott drew since the uh, early 2000s and these they've both taken their programs to heights that have never been seen before Uh, both of those guys need lifetime contracts with those schools as far as i'm concerned
1: fair enough I, i i couldn't disagree i can't disagree with that um you know, obviously, you know, you said the mid '90s and the mid '2000s. You know, they've obviously experienced heartbreak. You know, shades of '03 and '04 against UCLA and you know uh, Collison and you know those boys kind of getting a run of the mill against Adam Morrison. Um, you know, kind of kind of flipping the switch now uh, for Baylor. Uh, what's kind of the move now? You know, you went 28 and two. Um, you know, first championship in school history. Uh, you surpassed all sorts of records. You know, you took down the number one team in the country that no that people said. You know, like yourself, was impossible for anybody to take down because of how high tempo and how well coached they were. Um, you know, what what's kind of the next level here for Baylor? Um, uh, because you know, one championship, you know, you've had the taste now for championships. You know, you kind of want another one. Is there anything that you would do differently next year?
0: You gotta, you gotta uh, go about it the same way. This this team was was built on transfers. Macy O.T. transferred from UNC Asheville. Jonathan Chomwa Chachua. Everyone just calls him Jonathan. Uh, makes sense. Uh, transferred. So Baylor plays the transfer market hard. They're going to be doing that again this year, particularly with their guards. Teague Mitchell and Butler are all going to be gone, uh, not on this team anymore, which is too bad because those guys were just great to watch together. Three undersized guards. How fun is that? Just getting buckets left and right. Um, Baylor's going to lose Mark Vital as well. Uh, so they're, they're going to be a little a little bit worse off than Gonzaga is to start the year uh next year but uh I would expect them to play that transfer portal hard they got two five-star prospects coming in as well um and Baylor's going to be like I said like another attractive destination for players for years to come just you know once you have a national championship you're automatically just such an attractive destination for recruits and for transfers and everything like that so I'm excited to see what happens with Baylor next year as well. It's it's really cool to have a competitive Big 12 uh, for pretty much my whole life. It's just been Kansas dominating that conference. So seeing Baylor in there and you know teams like uh, Texas is going to be really good with Chris Beard at the helm now. And Texas Tech, what he was able to do with that program in the last few years, the Big 12 is a really exciting conference.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you say that. You know, you know the Big 12 being kind of competitive now because you and I, I've seen Kansas just have a run of the mill at these teams. You know. You think of, you know, the guys like Mario Chalmers, for example, you know, and that uh, great shot against Derek Rose's Memphis, um, you know, same kind of coaching style that Scott Drew is kind of adapted, you know, that fast tempo, you know, defensive-minded thing. Um, Scott Drew, uh, you know, is there a possibility if an NBA opening happens, you know, which I think will. I think uh, a lot of teams are kind of in the market now for a new coach. Do you think Scott Drew potentially takes a look at the NBA, or do you think he kind of just, you know – Stays put in uh Texas. I would
0: personally pick Scott Drew to, to stick around at Baylor. I do think he's gonna, there is gonna be NBA jobs opening up, there always is every year. Um, and I do think he's gonna take a look at some of them and you know, float it around, see if he can do the Billy Donovan thing. But Scott Drew and the whole Drew family is just a, a family that's just so ingrained in college basketball. Homer Drew, his dad, legendary coach, uh, and Bryce Drew. Uh, obviously, he had that enormous shot over at Valparaiso 20 years ago-ish now. So the whole Drew family is just – they're just college basketball through and through. They're all Indiana guys, and that's what Indiana is all about, is college basketball and high school basketball. So I don't think – I can't picture Scott Drew making the jump to the NBA, um, but I could be wrong because he's a, he's a really good coach, and uh, he's definitely going to get some looks.
1: No, it, it, it's funny that you mentioned Indiana. Um, you know, I think Indiana – and correct me if I'm wrong, I think Indiana is looking at a head coaching position, or they were in the mix for one, or something was yeah. going down over there. Yeah, they ended
0: up hiring Mike Woodson a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yes. So they yeah. did go get Mike, Mike W. Um, now, Woodson, you know, was the head coach of the Knicks during the Carmelo Anthony, you know, a little bit end-of-an-era type thing when Jarrett Smith was there. Do you oh, think yes. Mike Woodson is a good fit for the Indiana, you know, system?
0: I think so. Um, he's a Hoosier, right? So, I think that's that's a big part of that Indiana job is just being from Indiana and, and going through the program, knowing what it's all about. They need some help; uh, they've been they've been slipping in the last few years. But the big big thing for Indiana is that Trace Jackson Davis is coming back. He was one of the best players in the Big Ten this year, even though the team wasn't really all that good. Uh, Woodson, so far, he's gotten a, a bunch of a bunch of recruits to join him in the in the last just two weeks here. Uh, that's another team that's going to play the transfer portal hard, and I would look for Indiana to be making a big comeback here in the next few few years. They're not going to be ready next year, but uh with Mike Woodson at the helm, all the guys seem to love him. he seems like a really really tapped in really likable guy uh over in Indiana, so big things coming for i u
1: um you know stick it with sticking with you know the conferences and stuff like that. Is there any conference next year that you know? you think should get a bit a better look at in terms of the selection committee? Cause right now I'm looking at, you know, American athletic, the AAC. I think Wichita, Houston, and Memphis deserve another look. Um, I think Ivy league wise, I think Ivy league wise, they should get a couple looks next year. Um, is there any uh, real conference you want to see, get a look at properly from uh, the selection committee?
0: I think the big one is the, the Pac-12, honestly. I mean, the Pac-12 showed up at this tournament, and they showed up in a big way. Everyone thought this was going to be a Big Ten tournament. Everyone was wrong. It was a Pac-12 tournament. I've seen UCLA ranked as high as number two in some uh, super early preseason polls. A lot of that hinges on Johnny Juzang. I personally think he's going to head to the NBA, but the Pac-12 looked really legit in this tournament, and I'll be honest. I don't really watch a whole lot of Pac-12 basketball uh, during the regular season. It's sort of one of those things where i watch, you know, a couple of games, maybe a B- big East game, big 10 ACC uh, around seven, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. And then by the time the PAC 12 games are starting at like 1130, it's just, well, I've already watched, you know, three games, plus whatever NBA games tonight. Whatever yeah. Other sports. So I'm kind of tapped out at that point. I need to do a better job of watching the PAC 12. I'll say it. I mean, they look great. <laughs> They're called the conference of champions for a reason with all that storied history. Uh, they have a new commissioner coming in. Um so I think the Pac-12 is, is, is my one to look, to watch out for next year.
1: No, fair enough. And, you know, you mentioned that, like, obviously the start times are tough. Like, you know, UCLA is playing at 1130 and, you know, um, you know, like you said, you have watched so many games that by 11 o'clock, comes, you just want to call it a night. Um, you know, moving forward with next year's tournament, um, you know, hopefully more fans, you know, fans are allowed at full capacity. Um, you know, as players kind of make the transition to the NBA, is there any player right now that kind of worries you if he does declare? if there is there a player right now that if declared you would want him to stay back another year and vice versa?
0: Yeah, there's a handful. I mean, first of all, who am I to say? <laughs> you know what a guy wants to do with his life. Go get the money. First of all, go get the bag. Uh, but there's a few guys that they're going to be one and that – Looked a little bit shaky. Uh, Moses Moody is one that jumps out to me at Arkansas. He had a really good season, but then in the tournament, he had some really bad shooting games. Similar thing there with uh, Keon Johnson and, uh, what's his name, Jaden Springer, the other Tennessee, the two Tennessee guys. Uh, I think those guys would definitely need a little bit of work to do. Uh, And Scotty Barnes is the last one. Scotty Barnes is a pretty intriguing prospect to me. He was coming off the bench at Florida State, but that guy is, really long he's got a really long wingspan six foot nine but he can sort of play that point forward uh type of role he's projected to go pretty high in the draft but he he needs to get a shot he needs to get a jump shot he definitely will i mean he's only 18 years old but those are the three that sort of jump out to me um as guys that need to be a little bit more refined before they become you know nba ready prospects but what about
1: you um right now sticking out of the tournament. You know, you know, Josh Christopher, um, you know, he, de- I, I don't know if he officially, de- he did declare, um, you know, there was rumors that he might pull out, but Josh Christopher at ASU, um, you know, played at, uh, played at ball in Cali. Um, you know, he's 19 years of age. He's declared for the league after one year and, uh, one year in, in the NCAA, you know, didn't get to go to a tournament. Um, I think he should come back for another year. Um, in my opinion, obviously he had a he had a good year, uh, 14-4 and uh, fourteen points, what four rebounds and one assist. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think he should come back for another year. Um, there's no really no need for him. Um, you know, scouts haven't really got a, a whole good look at him because of you know the fact that ASU didn't make a run for the tournament. They didn't have the best uh, year they wanted to. Um, but the next question I kind of pose to you is, is there anybody that the Raptors should kind of be looking at, you know, pre or pre draft wise, that you know, you feel with the young team that they do have now that should be looking at. Cause right now guard play for me is one of the big issues. Um, you know, I think Kyle Lowry's getting up there in age. Um, you want a bit more stability outside of Fred Van Vliet and, uh, McCall and, you know, Malachi Flynn and all those boys. Um, if I'm the Raptors, I'm kind of looking at maybe snagging, you know, the potential of, you know, trading up and moving a couple pieces around to maybe trade into the first round a little bit, like around the 15th pick and looking to either get, um, you know, a guard or potentially a forward, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, the Raptors are just straight up bad this year. Uh, it's tough to watch. Uh, I'm still riding with them, watching them every game, but... There's been some ugly games. Uh, it's it's honestly one of those things where it's just kind of the year from hell, you know, stuck in Tampa, playing COVID pauses left and right, all these nagging injuries. But the one guy that, I, I mean, I would love to have Jalen Suggs on this team if we can jump up that high in the lottery. Right now we're projected to be like in the seven to eight range, so there is a chance that we could, we could jump all the way on up to one, two, or three. Small chance, uh, that's for sure, though. But the other position we really need to address is the center spot because – Aaron Baines is not getting it done for us uh nobody was really expecting him to move mountains or anything but he's just been uh you know pretty bad uh Chris Boucher is kind of is what he is he's he's 28 years old and he hasn't really shown any symptoms of being able to play positional defense Uh, so he's a solid rotational player but he's definitely not the center of the future for us in my opinion so a guy I look at uh and this is a taking a big swing on him is, is Kai Jones from Texas. Uh super athletic wow. big man, six you're, foot eleven. You're
1: diving yeah, that.
0: yeah. He's uh and Texas centers don't necessarily have a very good track record of doing well in the NBA. You look at Mo Bamba hasn't really done much. Uh Jared Allen is, is one that did pan out, but uh Kai Jones is is the guy, I think under the Raptors development system, they could turn him into the, the modern center that we need. He reminds me a lot of Reshawn Holmes. It's sort of a deep cut place for the Sacramento Kings, Um, but just in terms of a rim-running center that can really make some noise on defense, Kai Jones is uh, the one I would look at.
1: Um, yeah, the Raptors, you know, like you said, are downright bad. Um, Just, just ugly. Like it's
0: just there's no two ways about it.
1: I can't disagree with you because you know it's tough to watch. And you know it's and you know it's bad if you're relying on Aaron Bates to put up numbers. It's just, uh,
0: uh, not even put up numbers, put up minutes. is <laughs> <It's> bad enough.
1: <laughs> and no, no disrespect to Aaron wow. Bates, wow, but great guy. The the Raptors front office, you know, just kind of had to, you know, scramble to get a center or something yeah, like he that. Just um, you know, I I wish they would have got Andrew Bynum. I would have liked that a <laughs> bit more. But, a circus, uh, that's for sure. You know. I wish they would have got Nick Young, in all honesty. I was, I was kind of pushing for Nick Young to kind of come to Toronto. Yeah, throw him in there. Just make him. Life, yeah, make life a little bit more Here's interesting.
0: Dion Waiters, Jr. Smith. Those guys don't have jobs. We'll take them.
1: Yeah, you know, th- that's in all honesty, that would not be a bad idea. Um, But like you said, you know, uh, there's a lot of positions that the Raptors need to address, and the center position is obviously one of them. Um, you know, in the coming weeks, we'll know more, a little bit more about, you know, what the draft class will hold and, you know, what kind of players will be available. Um, is there any standout players right now heading into the draft that you think upon arrival in the NBA are going to make an immediate impact, right? Obviously, James Wiseman, you know, last year, top five pick again, went to Golden State, you know, is kind of learning the ropes right now. Um, you know, LaMelo Ball, people thought he would need a little bit more time, but I said, no, he's, he's going to be fine. He's already played, um, you know, at a professional level, despite it being in Australia. Um, I thought that, you know, the transition was very clear and it was going to be very simple for him. Um, is there any player right now that you think is is going to make an immediate impact no matter what, which team they go to?
0: Yeah, when you talk about immediate impact coming out of college, you, you look at the seniors and the, and the juniors, right? I think they always get overlooked because you, you've already lost, you know, the front offices think, oh, well, we've already lost three years. He was in college. We can't develop him. Like this is three years older than everyone else. So we're not going to take him. But time and time again, these college seniors have come into the draft, and proved everybody wrong. You should know better than anyone. Right. Jalen Brunson, national player of the year a yeah. few years ago. I was just watching the 2018 championship game the other day. I forgot how freaking good that guy was in college and he's making a stud, stud, absolute stud. He's making a big impact on, on Dallas right now. So guy like Brunson, uh, a few others, you know, he's the one that jumps out to me at the moment. But so you look at those seniors and uh, Kispert is, is the highest ranked, you know, college senior sort of in, in the mock draft. So I think he could be pretty good. Um, He got kind of a little shaky on defense in the in the championship game. So, you know, he could either be Joe Harris or he could be Doug McDermott. We'll see. Um, some of the other guys, though, like uh, you look at, you know, you look at Trey Mann from Florida. He's a really good uh, guard. He's sort of a second-year player. Uh, Quentin Grimes from Houston. He was, he was lighting it up in the tournament. Um, I think he could come in and, and be some scoring punch off the bench for an NBA team. Chris Duarte from Oregon, the senior. Uh, I think he's a sort of a good combo forward as well. Uh, So those are those are some names that I think I would look out for. Herb Jones from Alabama as well. I forgot to mention Herb Jones. I I love that guy. That guy's awesome to watch play.
1: He's been he played well. Yeah, he played
0: really well in the tournament. He's you know he's got good size, six foot eight, two hundred and ten pounds. He reminds me so much of Siakam. He doesn't necessarily run the floor as hard as Siakam does, but just the way he's able to operate in the high post and he he can pass. He can really pass. So Herb Jones is is my sort of second round sleeper.
1: Fair enough, you know. It's gonna be interesting to see, you know. Obviously, um, you know, it's kind of a trickle down effect, you know, how players kinda, of, you know, are gonna be talking to each other the next couple of days and you know, evaluating the situation. So, you know, the draft is gonna be loaded from top to bottom this year. Um, uh, you know, Raptors have a chance to, you know, possibly, like you said, get a good player in potentially Jalen Suggs or anybody else. Um but that's kind of it for me, man. You know, uh, it's been a great month. It was a great tournament. Awesome um uh, we got to see we got to see it. A whole lot of top level talent, um, you know. Obviously, the main factor was the fans and how much better, you know, the tournament would have been with fans and and whatnot. But you know, you kind of have to play with the cards you're dealt. Um, I'm looking forward to the next year already, man. I'm already, I'm already looking forward. You know, I've been reading a lot of reports saying that you know, the goal is to get fans in stadiums at full capacity by next year. Uh, so hopefully, for you know, our senior year, we get to, we get a another March Madness tournament in full capacity, um, you know, we're able to kind of experience see the sights and sounds of what makes March Madness what it is. Um, apart from that, thank you for coming on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you know, your knowledge and, you know, the, the way you how you articulated yourself is unbelievable. I've never met a guy who's who's so deeply rooted in college <laughs> basketball to a point where it's, where it's scary as to how, how much knowledge he has. Like I'm sitting here. This guy's pulling out stats, and you know all sorts of things. It it, it it's great. You know, it's it's unreal. And um, you know, I know for a fact we're going to work on another episode together. That's without a shadow of a doubt. I'm sure a draft preview will come. Yeah, man. Um, bracket wise, I never got to ask you how did you
0: uh, how did you fare in your brackets? So my brackets were okay for the first couple of days of the tournament. Uh, I had most of my first round games picked, and, and you know the first round games don't really mean all that much in the grand scheme of things but then texas came along texas longhorns shaka smart rolled in for the last game of the first round and i had them in the final four i was so high on them they won the big 12 tournament great guard play great big super athletic shaka finally getting over the hump winning his first march madness game at texas and they just laid an absolute goose egg at abilene christian and pretty much my bracket was all downhill from there that was one of my final teams final four teams was taken out and then after that it was just a flurry of you know, stuff going not my way. Illinois getting knocked out. I wanted them in the championship. Uh all kinds of stuff like that. So we didn't do too well at the end of the day. Not as well as your brackets. Holy.
1: Oh, you saw them? <laughs> that dude. I was when I tell you I was on ice <laughs> throughout the game. Cause I don't know if I told you, but I played in a Laurier League. My buddy who go my buddy from Oakville he hit me up. He goes, Yo, bro, I know you do the March Madness shit. You know, do you wanna do you wanna come and do one here at Loria? I mean, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'm um, I'm about it. So, going into the final game, I'm in third Oof. place, and two and the two guys in front of me have Gonzaga winning, yeah. right? So, if, if Baylor wins, I win. If Gonzaga wins, they win. So, two hundred bucks is on the Oof, line, man. right? Dude, sitting there on ice watching Baylor go three after three after three, just yeah. absolutely letting the water waterworks go, man. And, and I, I'm not even gonna lie, I got nervous when when Gonzaga made a comeback, because of I was like, you know, like I'm just gonna watch two hundred dollars disappear in front of my eyes. Um, obviously, you know, they came in clutch, and I, I yeah. won. Um, the one that rattled, the one that rattled me the most was losing at Jay's bracket, finishing second. Oh, that's tough. Um, I was, I was. Did not lose to Jay. Did because... you? No. no, I actually finished. I don't even think Jay was close. Oh, to Oh, he me. had OSU,
0: didn't he? Uh,
1: yeah, I think okay. he had OSU. And he had a couple other. You got a couple other teams yeah. in the mix, um. But I, I finished. I lost my, uh, I lost my three points. So the guy at first had seventy two. I had sixty nine. Um, you know, the results came out yesterday, and Jake Jay was like, "I think you won." And then he did the final count. He said, "Hey, bro, unfortunately, you know, you got yeah. beat out." Um, you know, but other than that, it was an unreal time. Um I, I well. <laughs> um, I didn't think I was gonna do this well. Um, I didn't think I was gonna do this well at all. I thought I was gonna be like. 85 80 percent but you know, I think it was kind of the year I, I studied my college basketball well and I I roll with it but um you know hopefully next year um uh, you know fans are allowed you know, I can we can go catch a game or something like that that'd be unreal that'd be you know, fully fully experienced you know your bracket you know being busted or kind of being good so um you know lots of goals and dreams for 20 for next year for the tournament but um you know other than that it was great stuff uh NCAA did a good job of handling it. Uh the players, you know, adapted well to it. Um
0: Yeah, how do you think this so yeah, uh, just, last thing? How do you think this tournament uh ranks uh, in terms of recent years? Anything anything specifically jump out to you? How does Baylor rank compared to some recent champions? Look at the two Villanova teams that won recently.
1: Well, you know, the thing we have to think about is analyzing this tournament is that it's a it's a very different tournament, obviously with COVID, but in the way that the selection committee kind of went about. You know, choosing their teams. You know, each team couldn't play the same amount of games because of the travel restrictions. You know, each state had different rulings and stuff like that. And a lot of games got canceled because of COVID. So we didn't get to see, you know, um, a true selection committee, right? Because a lot of the schedules and a lot of the conferences played an uneven amount of games or they played more or less games, right? So, for example, if you take a team like Baylor, right, who played 28 games and went 28 and two and um, you know, you take, you know, you are, you take Villanova, right? For example, uh, you know, Villanova obviously did not get to play a, a lot of their games because of COVID. Um, you know, you're looking at an upset in seating and then we talked about the eighth, nine seeds. Um, you mentioned it to me before. Um, Oh, you said you were, you were adamant about this seating. Um, the LSU game. Yeah. 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 Remember LSU was listed as a nine as a ninth yeah. seat. Um, Obviously, you know the, the committee had to adapt, but in terms of all-time tournaments, I put it right up there with um, the Villanova tournament was good uh, the yeah, first time. 2016. Good I want oh, I want to say the Virginia one was, was amazing, awesome.
0: bro. That was an awesome tournament.
1: Yeah, uh, Virginia. Um, I want to say the UCLA one, but I, I can't really say that because we weren't really around yeah. for that, so I'm I'm not I'm not fully credible for that. Um, the Psycho T tournament yeah. was good. Uh, when they played against, um, uh, what was the year? Uh, oh, the Louisville, tournament yeah, 13. Where,
0: uh, yeah. NCAA w- tries to wipe that, 13, from Missouri, was, but we all know what happened.
1: Oh, because that was that. Uh, you can't wipe that from history. Yeah, it was great a great tournament. game, great, tournament. Um, yeah. I, I put it up there in that mix, um, but at the same time, like, we also have to think of into effect that, like, we weren't around for like the ones before 2010, mm. really, yeah, exactly. Because so. In a selective matter I think it's I think it's a top five tournament within the last decade or so. I think you have to give it that respect and because of how, how well the upsets were and you know how entertaining it was from start to finish. Right? You know, you talk about buzzer beaters and old Roberts taking down a two seed. Um, you know there's buzzer beaters and then there's buzzer beaters Jalen like Jalen Suggs. What did oh. you see the what if you see the half court shot like that, you know, bank off the backboard after Alabama just made a comeback and uh, you know, it fizzles the game fizzles out like that, right? So I think I think it's a one of the top five tournaments all time. I'll definitely remember it. Um looking back on it within five or six years, I think everybody will still remember the time uh you know Jalen Suggs had to, you know, stand up on a on the stanchion and, and celebrate in front of cardboard yeah. fans. Um so yeah, that's kind of for me. And same question for you, is where
0: does it rank for you? It's up there. I mean top five of the decade for sure. Um, I had a similar experience, 2019 or uh, yeah, 2019 with Virginia. I think I get it. I get really attached to teams that everybody likes to call frauds, and you know they always choke it in March and, and stuff like that. So I, I like to, to get on get on the, the soapbox and try and tell people what a great program these these teams are, and how great these coaches actually are, and yeah, maybe they haven't won the championship, but they will, and Mark Few will. Don't get me wrong, Gonzaga will win a national title. I guarantee that. Uh, so it was Jay Wright right people were always saying oh he always chokes in March and never can pull it out and then wins two out of three years same thing with Virginia Tony Bennett always chokes in March and they had the worst tournament loss of all time against UMBC and then they came back and won the next year so that was a lot of fun Uh, I I think that Virginia team I'll always remember that tournament that's probably always going to be my my favorite but uh, this one was right up there it was it was great stuff and that Gonzaga UCLA team I just kind of after that game, I was riding such a high, I just kind of made, like, a little list of, like, all the best best basketball games I've ever seen. And I, I find it hard to argue that that isn't, like, a top three.
1: No, and I'm, and I'm with you 100%. You know, great tournament considering the circumstances. Um, you know, it's I, I want to see kind of what the NCAA kind of follows up with next year. Um, you know, do they kind of, you know, do another bubbler, you know, with restrictions kind of opening up? Do you kind of let teams uh you know kind of do their own thing and figure it out um with that being said leah man it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show um like i said we're going to work on another episode 100 percent as well within the near future most likely the nba draft or the nba playoff preview um thank you again for coming on man thank you for always you know sharing your knowledge and you know being energetic whenever you come on and uh We look to having you back on the show, sir, man. It's always a pleasure to come on the show. And Anybody that lets me talk about college basketball,
0: I will jump at the opportunity because this is an amazing sport. Everybody that says the NBA is better is wrong. The college basketball season is the best time of the year, especially in March. And I will maintain that. I will die on that hill. I love college basketball. I love the sport in general. And I'm looking
1: forward to uh, coming on here and talk about the NBA playoffs. hundred percent, man. Leo, thank you for your time, guys. Thank you guys for listening And we'll get you guys in the next episode.